G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Life, Culture and Current Events from a Biblical Perspective, 2020 on Vision. With the latest developments in the United States and the Senate impeachment trial of former President Donald Trump, there are questions being asked about the way forward in a divided country. The impeachment trial opened with dramatic video footage of the Capitol riots unfolding. You'll be familiar with Jim Daly from Focus on the Family. He recently sat down with U.S. Senator James Lankford, gleaning perspectives on a divided nation. While much of the conversation isn't as relevant to an Australian audience, Senator Lankford had important insights as a Christian senator as to what true unity might look like getting along while respecting difference. Let's listen in to Senator James Lankford responding to a question from Jim Daly. Uh, let me ask you, Senator, uh, on the 6th, the, the day yep. that um, the mall hosted the rally and then some of those people went to the Capitol and right. stormed the Capitol, you were actually speaking in the Senate I was right at that moment. Uh, describe for us that day what took place and how you felt about it. Yeah, January 6th was a dark day for the country, uh, to say the least. Um, it, it was a day that we were concerned about some level of violence outside, uh, thinking, okay, if there, if there are protesters and counter-protesters outside, everybody's pretty fired up. I hope they, they everyone behaves themselves. But none of us had any thought that someone would actually smash through the doors and try to work their way. And that didn't even cross our mind. Uh, we have protests to the Capitol every day. Uh, literally, I can walk out of the Capitol after a vote and look outside and go, who's protesting today? What are they protesting? Because it's just so common to see protesters around the Capitol for different issues all the time. So that day, we really didn't think was any different in a lot of ways. I, I was stepping up to speak uh, in the Senate. And there was kind of a buzz that was going around me with other senators looking at their phone and saying, the, the protesters are right at the doors of the Capitol. And I turned to Steve Daines, who's a great, solid believer, uh, who sits right next to me on the, on the Senate floor, and said, I bet I don't make it through this speech. Mm. And uh, I stepped up to start speaking, and about two and a half minutes into the speech, as I'm speaking, I watched the Secret Service rush in the side door, grab Vice President Pence, and pull him out. Mm. And then they moved Chuck Grassley to go sit in that spot. And as soon as he did, he gaveled down the Senate and said, we're in recess right now. And a staff member walked up to me and said, the protesters are in the building now. And uh, they started locking the doors all around the chamber. The security on the outside of the chamber moved to the inside. They moved the staff that work around uh, the Senate into the Senate chamber, locked the doors down. And it was clear this is where they're going to take their stand is right inside this room. Uh, that they were, they were not as worried about the building at that point. Once they'd broken through in multiple places outside, they were most concerned about the people. In, in that context... Um, how do you process that? What in your mind was taking place? I mean, people are frustrated on all sides. Oh, sure. The election, you know, there are many questions. I thought what the Senate was engaging in along with the House was a good discussion about election security, you know, making sure that our elections are fair and equal and right. all those right things. Sure. Um, what What's going on with the angst in the country? Why is there such emotion that seems uncontrollable now? 
uh, on all sides. On all on sides. We've seen it through the and, summer. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it is exactly the issue. We, we, we have disagreements as Americans. That's what the House and the Senate are designed to do. We're not designed to tell people sit down and shut up. We're designed to be able to say, okay, let, this is the place where we argue these things out and make sure everyone has a voice mm-hmm. uh, and that we actually all get a chance to be able to talk out our ideas. So it is entirely appropriate for the House and the Senate to say there are millions of people who have questions on both sides of this. This is where we talk about it. So there's nothing different about that. There's nothing different about a protest uh, around the Capitol. But there was obviously something very different about people who intentionally planned to come in and smash their way through. As we know now, it wasn't just a spontaneous event of passion. There were people that planned, brought the materials, uh, walked the outside of the facility, looked for where they were going to go. And actually, while the president was speaking, those folks were already in the process of smashing down and working their way through the police lines. Uh, so it wasn't the crowd fired up from leaving the president time at the White House and coming down in a rage. It was already going on. They had planned to be able to do it. But we, we saw it this summer in moments where there would be a protest speaking about racial justice in the country. That's an entirely appropriate conversation for us to be able to have. We have a long history of racial injustice in the country. Why would we not want to continue that conversation to be able to work towards making sure every person made in the image of God is treated with honor and respect? That's one of the signature items of us as Americans. That's entirely appropriate to have those conversations, but then to watch it bleed over into violence often late at night and windows be smashed and trying to occupy federal courthouses. That's not who we are as a country. And I think some of it's the pandemic. Uh, Some of it's just the built up anger of people just being mad at the world because everything in their status quo has changed. But ultimately for those of us as Christians, we have a responsibility uh, to be able to say, you know, our our hope is somewhere bigger than all of this. And when the status quo has changed, God does not. Uh, So if he is our light and our salvation, whom shall we fear? He's the stronghold of our life. Of whom shall we be afraid? Uh, So to be able to walk through that journey as a Christian is especially important right now. They see us be stable in in the middle of all the chaos. You know, a friend of mine who's a non-believer said to me, if you guys are concerned, I should be really concerned. Yeah. And that's what you're saying. In some ways, the Christian community, we need to keep our focus on the eternal things. Right. And it does feel like we're losing a bit of that perspective, that the ground fighting has become so important that we're missing the bigger picture. Yeah. And uh, that's a frustration that I have constantly. But we're drawn into it because we're concerned about the things that we're losing, the reverence for God, the the nation's founding principles. I mean, the idea that conscience, religious liberty, these are core things that this nation was built on. So people are feeling like we're losing the core values. When we all talk about core values... Those truly are core values. So we lose the core values as a country in those critical aspects because one family's not passing it on to the next generation, to the next generation, to the next generation. They're expecting government or expecting somebody else to be able to carry on those values. They don't. Uh, we know from a biblical perspective, you pass that on from one generation to the next. The mom and dad pass it down to their children and their grandchildren. And so when, when we see a failure of that in some families to be able to pass down that value, it gets filled in with the vacuum of the culture. Uh, so being salt and light begins at home. And uh, so for uh, two things I would say on that. One is make sure our families are actually passing on these values. Do the first thing. Uh, right. I know we're panicked about other people's families and what's happening in other places and other states. Make sure we're taking care of our own. And the second thing is make sure our hope is based on something that is eternal. Our hope is found in Christ and what he is doing. If our hope is in a government or in a place or in a person or an elected official or in what my school's going to do, your hope's in the wrong spot. Uh, we, we take care of our first responsibility uh, to our family, uh, to our own personal walk with God, and then engage in our, in our culture in a way that makes the greatest difference. 
We're listening in to a conversation between Focus on the Families' Jim Daly and US Senator James Lankford. One of the most contentious social issues in the United States has been around the issue of abortion. As you may have heard, the new president, Joe Biden, has reversed many of the pro-life initiatives of the former president, Donald Trump. Senator Lankford added his thoughts on the challenging issues of abortion when asked about his pro-life position. Uh, Knights of Columbus on the uh, pro-life front. Knights of Columbus released their annual poll on pro-life issues. I just received these uh, yesterday, actually. But more than, I just want to read a couple of the stats from this. More than three quarters of Americans, 76%, including a majority who identifies pro choice, want significant restrictions on abortion. Right. Think of that number 77%, 76%, 77% of those polled either oppose or strongly oppose using tax dollars, which, of course, the Biden administration through right. executive order has just issued. But 77% of Americans oppose using tax dollars for abortion. That's 55% Democrat. Right. I mean, there is a seemingly a strong position in this country uh, not to use tax dollars, not to fund international right. abortion, yet this government right now is headlong in that direction. And you're sitting there as a senator in the minority. How do you shake the cobwebs from people, or how do you uh, try to help people make sense of this. So I was actually on the floor of the Senate yesterday and spoke on this exact issue. Uh, I had a picture of a child uh, in in the womb. It was a great three-dimensional sonogram uh, picture. Those pictures are, are remarkable. Now, when my kids were little, uh, it was just like this fuzzy black smear on the page. You kind of figure it out. Now, you can see their nose and their eyes and their lips, and it's remarkable, the technology that we can see. I had that picture behind me, and I said, there's really only one question that we have to resolve. There's, there's only one out there, and there's all these options, people saying, there's only one question that I resolve. Is that a child? And I could show the picture and say, is this a, is, I can count 10 fingers, I can count 10 toes, there's a beating heart, there's a functioning nervous system, there's DNA that's different than the mom's DNA. They're not the same DNA. Uh, right. that, that tissue is different than every other tissue in her body is that tissue right there of that child. And to see this face and to say, how can you say that's not a child? How, yeah. how, how can you say that? So really, I try to be able to bring it back to the central issue. A lot of people talk about it's a woman's choice, and if she wants to keep this child, it's upper. I was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Let's first begin with the real question. Is that a baby? Because right. if that's a baby... What are we going to do about that as yeah. a culture? Uh, because 48 years ago, the Supreme Court determined, you know, not, not just is abortion going to be legal, but is it going to be required in every state? People lose track of what Roe v. Wade was. Roe v. Wade, abortion was already legal in America, just most states didn't allow it. Some states did. The Supreme Court stepped in and said, nope, every state has to allow this. And so it suddenly became mandatory nationwide. And for the people that say, well, what if Roe is overturned? Well, if Roe is overturned, all that will mean is the conversation will go back to the states again, and it states will have to make this decision. So it's really a cultural conversation that we need to have with people. 48 years later, we don't still accept as a culture what the Supreme Court said. We don't believe the death of 62 million children since 1973 is the right direction for our country. Yeah. We believe that every child is valuable, not just some. Yeah, I, I think Justice Blackman, if I remember this correctly, in that decision even said, as we progress, as science perhaps can determine 
the beginning of life more right. accurately, then we should probably come back and readdress this. But well, science is on our side. And science so is of, totally on our side. One of the things that I said yesterday is, please don't tell me that you follow science and you ignore the life of a child. Yeah, because so there, there's nothing in the womb uh, that doesn't show that's not a life. In fact, I jokingly tell people, if, if what we found in the womb we found on Mars, we would say there's life on Mars. Right. Uh, but no one seems to admit that's life in the womb. That is a really good point right there. You know, you mentioned the ultrasound machines, and that's something we've been engaged with at Focus for years. 16 years, we're nearing a half a million babies saved. And we're grateful to the Pregnancy Resource Centers that we are able to place these machines in partnership with them. And it's something like 57, 58% of abortion-minded women, when they are able to see that ultrasound and see their baby, those 10 fingers, those 10 toes that you mentioned, it changes their heart because they have never seen that, and they think it's just a blob of tissue. But to your point, it's a unique human being being knitted in their mother's womb that God knew from the beginning of this universe, and that's the position we take. And I think that ripple effect, Senator, of um, defending life and fighting for life has such impact in what we're seeing today with the disregard for children and right. sex trafficking and that life is not as precious as it once was. And I think it does begin with our attitude about abortion. And uh, yeah, if children are seen as disposable and I could keep you or I could throw you away, I just had to decide uh, that does change everything about the psyche of a child to think, well, you chose to keep me, but am I not that valuable yeah. uh, one, one direction or the other? It, it, it is just something very important about recognizing the value of every person yeah. that sends a message to every other person. We really are creating the image of God, and we have value and purpose. We've been listening to excerpts from that conversation courtesy of Focus on the Family, that program not released here in Australia. The conversation has been between the U.S. Focus on the Family leader, Jim Daly, and Senator James Lankford. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.